You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producers, as always, are Patrick Antonetti and Sean Cherry. Our guest this week is a regular on this podcast, and certainly was a regular on the podcast that I did at Sports Illustrated, James Andrew Miller. He's the best-selling author of books on CAA, ESPN, and Saturday Night Live. He's the host of the Origins Podcast, which is part of the Cadence 13 family, as I am. And you um, have been reading his work and hearing his thoughts on media for many years. And Jim Miller joins me today jim i wish the topic that we're going to talk about was um a more positive topic but it's unfortunately not um as sort of we have seen in 2020 um with companies laying off people including one of the companies i work at the athletic and nbc sports and sb nation and sports illustrated and the list goes on and on this week espn announced its layoffs uh 300 people are being laid off from the company, and then they are not filling an existing 200 jobs. Probably in addition to that, Jim, there will be talent, as I reported and others have reported, who are um, not uh, going to be re-signed whenever their contract is up, and that, of course, is another way to do cost savings. In addition to new talent or existing talent not being re-signed to anywhere probably close to the financial deals that they got. So that sets up my conversation with you. Um, how did you view the news this week of the ESPN layoffs? Well, unfortunately, it wasn't a surprise. I mean, I think that this is something that the network, in particular Jimmy Pataro, has been, they've been trying to avoid for, for many, many months. And I think probably from a strategic business point of view, they knew that there would be some sort of adjustment that would have to be made uh, prior to even covid just because of the nature of the way the business is changing. Several years ago, they had to do a round of layoffs as they migrated from linear to digital. And there are, unfortunately, there are transformations that are going on apart from the pandemic that uh, require them to make adjustments as well. But it's, you know, look, it's brutal. And somebody asked me yesterday, you know, why... Why do ESPN layoffs seem to register more prominently on the cultural radar? Look, the airlines have had to lay off, and they will have to lay off tens of thousands of of, of flight attendants and maintenance workers and others. And and we're talking about you know 500 people here, but it's still a big deal, and it's certainly a big deal to these 500 individuals. And ESPN, which for most of its history since September 7th, 1979 has known, has you know, basically nothing but unbridled advancement and expansion. And so when these things hit, it's, it's very difficult and it's difficult for the people inside. And obviously it's difficult for the people affected, but it's, it's always, um, it's noteworthy to, to, to see just how big a discussion this is, um, you know, even though the numbers don't compare. And I'm not saying that it's insignificant. I'm just saying, though, that it just shows the attention that ESPN garners um, 
particularly on social media. Listen, the ESPN's a bellwether in sports media. It probably always will be as long as both of us are alive. And so it's going to, um, you know, it's always going to garner a lot of attention in some way, in not some ways, in many ways. Uh, it's, it's a sort of a cultural touchstone in the country. Um, that also makes it in some ways part of a culture war at times when it comes to sort of uh, sports commentary and where sports commentary should lead. The... Um, you know, you've you've written about this over the last couple of years, and I've written about this. And I think one of the things, and you know, this, you probably note this uh, oftentimes in your book, was, you know, ESPN was always thought to be like the safe harbor when it came to the sports media. It's like the one place where, I mean, nothing, no one's immune to layoffs. But generally speaking, if you were there in the '90s, or early 2000s, you know, you 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 probably were approaching that as a lifetime job. So then comes May of 2013, 400 layoffs. Uh, then comes 2015, 300 layoffs, uh, 300 employees. And that, if you remember, Jim, and I know you do, that that 5% cut was really gutting because those were long time behind the scenes people. 2017 in April, that's the elimination with a lot of well-known people who were in front of the camera, a lot of a lot of front-facing TV people like my friend Jane McManus and and Ashley Fox and Ed Werder and others. And I then in late people, yeah. And then in 2017, a hundred more additional layoffs. And then obviously now we got to we got to this. I'm week. sorry, I meant a hundred of the thousand. Yes, right, right, a right. hundred. So I, I I lay all that out, Jim, to say that like what what has become pretty clear, I think, in this last ten-year stretch. Is every, you know, every two or three years, we're going to continue to see layoffs at this place. I, like, I, I hope that this is not the case, but the the pattern exists that this is this is just going to be a continuation and not the end. Right. I think it's important though to throw out a little bit of context, which is, you know, there's the situation at ESPN, and then there's the larger equation that's at work in the industry itself. I mean, just today, Viacom, CBS, I mean, their ad revenue dropped 6%. I, I mean, that's, you know, that's that's tough stuff. Um, and that's going to, uh, it affects their valuation, which has been incredibly damaged during COVID and for the pa- over for the past year. And so I think that it's important not to conflate, you know, what's going on with CBS, I mean, with ESPN, it's just um, an ESPN situation, you know, and conflated with just past ESPN layoffs. These are things that there are some industry trends at work. NBC Sports, CBS Sports, uh, I mean, uh, Fox, I think that all of them are under financial pressure and trying to make tough decisions about their workforce. And so I'm not trying to be an apologist for ESPN or Disney. But I do think that there are, particularly with the pandemic, there's just a there's a bunch of things at work here that are going to be um, that all of these places are going to be grappling with for quite a long time. Yeah, that's well said. And I appreciate you giving that context. That's true. So let's talk about one of those things. Um, And again, I don't know how much you are these days in sort of the, you know, in the weeds when it comes to sort of uh, ESPN departments. But what's very clear about um this layoff is the the attempt to have cost savings from remote productions. And so what what that basically means is that they're going to try to 
broadcast games with a much leaner staff and trying to tr- trying to save money as best they can on travel expenses. So you're going to start to see games um, called from production facilities, perhaps games. I'm not talking about the biggest games, but just ESPN's got a lot of inventory, remember, especially in college. Uh, broadcasters and announcers perhaps calling games from their house, even in a post-COVID universe. Not as many production trucks, obviously, going to these games. And so, you know, the rationale, I guess, Jim, from um, from places like ESPN and others is, you know, they're they're going to need less people within the remote production because you're you're not going to you don't you're not traveling as much you can do this in your headquarters where you've constructed this 100 million dollar studio so it, it you are correct in in the fact that like yeah part of what happened at ESPN this week is part of a, you know clearly a larger trend when it comes to remote production and, and saving cash there right i mean look one of the dangerous things that started to happen when the pandemic became you know, part of the fabric for our lives is like in May, all of a sudden you started to look and Jimmy Fallon was in his basement and, and, it and, you know, there was Savannah was in her home upstairs and uh, all, all across all different networks. And I think that, you know, there was a bunch of us who all of a sudden started to say, you know, this, this could be toothpaste out of the tube because once corporations, I mean, look, I have friends in pharma and investment banking or whatever, and they, they have like a million miles on their, frequent flyer accounts. And they say, you know, we probably won't get another, you know, a couple hundred thousand in the years to come because our companies have figured out that we can do a lot of this stuff from Zoom. And we don't need to fly five people out to a meeting to the home office now. And there's all sorts of adjustments being made across industries and people have figured out what they can and can't live with. And I think that one of the things, you know, that's been pretty obvious is that They've done a great job of pivoting to get things on the air, and they've had to figure out ways to engineer remote production in ways that they've never done before. But I don't think anybody's anxious to just go back to the way it used to be so they could spend more money and not take advantage of what they've learned. So it's a really, really precarious time. Jim, um, what do you think, you know, the, the as the names are, sort of start to trickle out of this layoff and uh, some of these, I mean, most of these names are, are not um, going to be, you know, sort of household names in uh, the sports media universe. Although those of us who work in the business um, will absolutely know and recognize them. A couple of the sort of more prominent names, and I'm only naming people who have sort of gone on their Twitter feed to announce this. Um, you know, Ivan Maisel, uh, one of the uh, longtime college football uh, voices and writers, uh, you know, again, an incredibly respected guy in his profession. Claire Smith, an absolute legend and pioneer when it comes to baseball writing. Uh, first African-American uh, woman to be a sports columnist at the New York Times. Uh, trailblazer in covering baseball and eventually went to ESPN and uh, was a news editor um, there. So, um you know, because people, Jim, are interested in, in talent and because people are interested in sort of front-facing people, from everything that I've sort of reported and learned, and I imagine it might be the same for you, where the on-air people are going to really be impacted is in people either not resigning contracts heading forward, ESPN essentially just sort of letting those contracts end and, and they move on, or as talent attempts to renegotiate contracts heading forward, 
that talent, you know, non-Stephen A. Smith level talent takes a significant pay cut if they want to stay. What, what have you heard on all this? Well, let, let me go back to your earlier point for a moment, because I think that there are, for people who watch ESPN, there are a ton of people, and there always have been, behind the scenes that really make the place run and hum and, you know, from coordinating producers on down. And there are, you know, unfortunately, numerous people in this latest round who have been there for quite some time and who, by the way, they they just love what they do and they love the game and they love they're like OCD about every single thing. One of these guys is, uh, you know, been in the baseball ecosystem of, of ESPN for, for a long time. And I mean, his, his knowledge about baseball and baseball history is encyclopedic. And, you know, that, that brings to bear that comes to the, the forefront uh, every time he does a game or every time there's a shoulder programming, you know, before or after the game. And I think that it's hard to measure the loss that this will be for ESPN, but there's a lot of institutional memory and there's just a lot of intellectual capital that's walking out the door. Ivan's a wonderful writer and the stuff we did with the college football 150, as I just tweeted about, was extraordinary. And there's, you know, person after person after person. I don't, I mean, there have been a bunch that have not wanted to be public about it and I want to respect them. Um, you know, they called me and, and said that they, you know, they wanted to let me know that they had been let go, but they also wanted to keep it quiet. So I won't sing their prices by name, but I think it is a powerful thing in terms of talent. I mean, look, one of the things that you and I have talked about in the past is exactly what you just referred to. Apart from the Stephen A's and probably, I would say at ESPN, less than two dozen individuals, less than two dozen individuals who really have bargaining power and who are able to extract significant increases during times like these. Um, it's not a great time, and it's not a great time for, uh, I look, Nick, Nick Kahn picked a great era when John Skipper decided to be the George Steinbrenner of, 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 of on-air personnel, and there were big contracts and there were long contracts, and the economics of the time and the threat by FS1 justified it. But now that's all gone. And so I think what you're starting to see, and I heard from several on-air people at ESPN yesterday, you said, look, I'm up next year, and I already told my agent, I, I just... I don't care. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to raise. I don't need to raise. I just. I just want to continue. I just. I just want the years. You know, we're gonna. We're gonna change our strategy because we understand what's going on, and that may work, and that may work for for some people. But I think we we have to acknowledge the fact that with reduced remote production, there also may be intended changes in terms of just remote operations, and. With that, might mean further cuts in terms of on-air people. So, the let me let me sort of run something by you on this one last topic that a uh, that an ESPNer posited to me, and that was that the this could mark the end of the sports talk specialist, meaning that not necessarily like Stephen A. Smith who. Um, who's going to obviously be part of first take or whatever that is. And not necessarily even like what 
pardon the interruption is either with Kornheiser and Wilbon or a post pardon the interruption. But the notion of people who are hired at ESPN sort of just to be opinionists because they generally speaking cost a lot of money. Um, there's a posit there that that position may, 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 may be endangered as well as um, a significant reduction in studio hosts where they thought that they could just get sort of cheaper, younger studio host talent, uh, especially as you sort of just cited before, a lot of the studio hosts in the last 10 years have been paid a ton of money. Um, so on both those things, what do you think? I don't buy it because ultimately at the end of the day, uh, ESPN has 8,760 hours to program. And I think that it could be just the opposite because a lot of rights are going still through the roof, even though the numbers may not justify it. And even though it sounds counterintuitive, particularly given the economic realities of these sports businesses. And yet at the same time, you can't just put a slide up there and you're going to need, in fact, I think sports talk is going to maybe have a whole new renaissance because at the end of the day, it's far less expensive. You know, how many, how many, how many sports is ESPN or other competitors really going to be able to afford now or want to spend the money on in the future? And if you decide that you're not going to bid on X sport, you're still going to have to follow, you know, follow up and program that time on your network. And so I, I think that you're going to start to look at programming and content that is cheaper to produce and it, it may not have you know, a twelve million dollar man like Stephen A. Smith, but it will have there will there will be a need for talent. There will be a need for content. There will be a need for proprietary branded content. And so, I think that some of those jobs are just going to be reimagined in ways that will be cheaper, even cheaper to produce, and may not have the the kind of cash expenditures next to them in terms of salary for these on air people. You know, whenever anybody, whenever, whenever anybody says that, you know, that's going to go away and that's going to go away and that's going to go away. Well, ESPN is not going to turn into Netflix. They're not going to start, you know, running sports movies at 10 o'clock in the morning just because they don't have it. They, they don't want to spend the money. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Before history is written... It's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Let's um let's sort of finish up on this. Um because I know that this is something you want to talk about. The, the NFL media rights shadow, <laughs> shadow all of this. Um, you know, I, of course, like the coronavirus and the pandemic has impacted, uh, has impacted industries, all of us. Um, and so that, 
is absolutely going to reduce revenue. Um, we've talked, you know, on this podcast ad infinitum about cord cutting and cord nevers and what that has meant for the business. I mean, if you want to sort of just do it in stark terms, ESPN was in more than 100 million households in 2011, and that has just been reduced to 82 million or so right now. So just figure out the math on that, and that's and that's only going in one direction. You know, the house that that number is only going down. But this the sort of the large framework of all this, Jim, is ESPN's desires for the NFL are are front facing and 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 absolutely exist and we all know that Jimmy Pataro in a sense was brought into this company to heal that relationship with the NFL and to put his company in a position to uh, not only uh, retain what they have in terms of inventory but perhaps surpass it and certainly to try to get in that Super Bowl rotation so how does everything that happened this week intersect with um, with ESPN's desires for the NFL you know, I think I, I think I mentioned to you several years ago, and people like were on Twitter were telling me I was crazy and stuff. But I, I, I thought that Bob Iger, in particular, was going to be very aggressive with this new package. I, I never thought that they would be satisfied with just Monday night. Always thought they'd go after a Sunday package, which of course they're doing. I think that there is a disconnect, though. There's a huge irony or paradox at work, if you will, um, going on because, as we've been discussing, a lot of these companies are facing serious economic challenges, and yet the NFL still is expecting and demanding, and they're getting, you know, really competitive bids for these packages. I, I look at Viacom's market cap now. I mean, what is it, $20 billion? I'm not sure exactly, but... I, and I get that they wanted to spend all that money on Tony Romo, but uh, how do you justify, I don't know how the board justifies or shareholders feel about spending billions on football when your valuation has been reduced so so much. And I think there's another problem, which is everybody wants these packages. Look, Monday night, ESPN spent $15.3 billion. They spent uh, $1.9 a year on Monday night package, which which they thought was going to be the old Sunday night package turned out to be a cable package. And it was for a while there, the third worst schedule. And then lo and behold, Thursday night came along and it's the fourth worst schedule. And so the league, the league all of a sudden says, well, you know, okay, maybe they now, of course, Disney wants Sunday night because they want a better schedule. I, mean, I think the way out of it, if, and I think that the players would applaud it. And I think it just makes a lot better sense is just to get rid of Thursday night football. I mean, Howard Katz, who does the Lord's work and is a magician with scheduling, has, you know, tried very hard since the advent of Thursday night football to try and make everybody happy. But the truth is that there is such a disparity of quality and it, and scheduling is such a difficulty for the league in terms of really giving packages that have values. Remember, because each of these packages have fundamental tenants. If you get a Sunday night package or if you get a Sunday afternoon package, there are certain guarantees that you get in that package. And that means that other quality games, like C or D level games, they have to go someplace, which is why even though ESPN's Monday night schedule has gotten a bit better in the past couple of years, three, four or five years ago when the schedule would come out, there was like, you'd have to put some of those people at ESPN on suicide watch because these were, you know, these were brutal games. 
and it's still going to continue. And so instead of the league saying, watching everybody want one of these three packages that are that that actually have some teeth in it to it, and you you're guaranteed some great matchups um, because you have Thursday night to account for, just cancel Thursday night. It was a greedy move. The players don't like it. I really don't think the numbers have ever shown that it's something that the audience really wants to stay along with. And most importantly, it cannibalizes the product. And if you get rid of those those Thursday night games, then you can have a legitimate Monday night schedule again. You can have Sunday afternoons and you can have Sunday nights. And you're going to have much better and much happier bidders for your product. I just think that the days of, of the NFL being so unbelievably greedy with a big, big schedule uh, and expecting those top dollars. Uh, I mean, look, they're going to, they're going to get great bids, but I still think that for me, at least the, the key is to get rid of Thursday night. Yeah. I don't think, I, I mean, I understand that you sort of laid that thesis out really well. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Thursday night's going to continue. I do not think they're going to give up the money for that package. I think there will always be a bidder for that. That doesn't mean I think Thursday night football is a great product. I just, I don't see that changing. Um, let me leave you. Let me, here's the last one. If you had to guess today, do you think, do you think ESPN becomes part of the Super Bowl package in, in whatever that means? Not, not necessarily that everything blows up and ESPN becomes Sunday night football and ESPN gets one of the conference championships. I, I, I don't know if I see that dramatic, but on a purely adding them to the rotation and whatever dollars that would cost, do you think the NFL in this round makes that move? Yes. With a simulcast on ABC, of course. ABC, yeah, yeah. I, I should, for the listeners, I should say when I say ESPN, of course the game is going to be on ABC, unquestionably. So I'm with you, Jim. I, I agree with you. I think they're going to get it this time. What's your what's your thought process as to why? I think. Look, I, if I were CBS, I'd be worried about Sunday afternoon because Les Moonves was always a key architect and a key driver of the relationship between CBS and NFL. He's obviously not there anymore. That's nothing against Sean or David or anybody, but I think that that's, I, I, and I think their valuation may hurt them, uh, you know, their economic uncertainty. And so even though Disney's going for Sunday night right now, if NBC were to prevail, NBC Comcast were to prevail, they could set their sights on CBS Sunday afternoon package and back into the Super Bowl that way. It's uh, that's one you know I'm going to have you back on because the the NFL rights negotiation are going to be are going to be a little bit crazy just given you know um, all this is happening amid uh, COVID and you know amid these networks and companies trying to figure out um, you know what is the ultimate number that they can that they can bid for this at the same time. It's the most important and most valuable inventory that exists if you still have some kind of, you know, television-based content company. So um, it's going to be a it's going to be a huge story. Before we go, Jim, is there anything um, is there anything else you wanted to sort of just end on when it when it comes to these layoffs? It's just once having, you know, lived through many of them at Sports Illustrated, and you know, fortunate enough to obviously keep my job. It just sucks. It sucks. It just it. It never gets better. You always know it's coming around the corner, and it just absolutely sucks. It, it sucks a lot. You know, when I was writing the book, uh, I realized that, you know, people don't – most people don't date ESPN. They marry it because you got to go to 
the middle of freaking Connecticut. You, so you like you, you, you buy a house there, you put your kids in school there. It's not like, well, CBS is on the West side and uh, NBC sports is on uh, fifth Avenue. And uh, you know, you, you kind of move around and I, I mean, ESPN is, is a commitment. It's a lifestyle. It is for many people where they go out of college and they stay there for 20, 30 years. And so I think that one of the things that I realized yesterday that, uh, you know, obviously pain, painfully remember from other rounds is it's not only torturous for people who are laid off and are losing their job, but I also talk to people who, you know, escaped the, escaped the layoff, but are really sad because their best friends and their colleagues from 10, 15, 20 years are gone. And I had somebody yesterday say to me, you know, I don't even want to come to work. I mean, I, I'm glad I'm coming to work and I'm, I feel lucky, but I don't know what it's going to be like without, you know, so-and-so. And so it has all these ripples, and it's certainly not fun for Jimmy Pitaro, uh to be in this position. But uh, it, all, all, you, all you can do is you hope that all these valuable people get jobs someplace else and that they figure things out in a way going forward where this becomes um, much, much less, you know, the exception to the rule than the new normal. James Andrew Miller is a uh, best-selling author of uh, books on CAA, ESPN, and Saturday Night Live. Catch uh, his uh, Origins podcast as well, where he's the host. Uh, Jim, I wish the news was better, but uh, but I appreciate you uh, coming on today to talk about the impact of the ESPN layoffs and uh, and stay safe and best of health out there. You too, RD. You too. Thanks for having me. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to Jim Miller for coming on today um you know not a topic that anybody likes really discussing layoffs but you know it is a business story and uh sports media story and obviously as jim said when you know what whatever sort of espn does is always significant news given its place in the industry um if you like these kind of um discussions and if you like this subject matter please head to the uh, sports media with richard deitch uh, page on uh, apple podcast or stitcher or google play and um, and leave us a five-star review and some nice comments. Uh, obviously, my podcast company um, judges everything in terms of uh, you know in terms of metrics, and, and that counts for us. So please uh, please do that. Previous or recent podcasts, I should say, ESPN's Chris Fowler was last week uh, discussing calling college football amid COVID, his interest in uh, calling NFL games perhaps in the future, and how he found the experience of calling Monday Night Football this year. Jordan Cornette and Shea Pepler Cornette, they're the uh, first married couple to do an ESPN radio show together. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking to them. Uh, episode before that, we had a roundtable on sports viewership with three uh, of the premium uh, sports viewership experts in the country, Mike Mulvihill at Fox, Laura Kelly of ESPN, Austin Carb Sports Business Journal. And uh, that got a lot of attention and, uh, and, a, and a lot of downloads, more than I expected. So appreciate you guys listening. And, uh, and they were really smart. Uh, I, I learned some stuff there. Uh, prior to that, Stan Van Gundy, before he got his NBA coaching job again, um, I talked about working at Turner and, uh, and pretty honest about uh, how, um, how open he is on how he feels about politics and social justice and racial equality, etc. And then before that, Malika Andrews on reporting four months from inside uh, the NBA bubble. ESPN's Malika Andrews. Check out all those uh, previous podcasts. Uh, I think you'll find something that uh, you'll enjoy. Now, let me thank everybody again, Patrick Antonetti, Sean Sherry, for producing this podcast. Thanks to uh, Chris Corcoran, Spencer Brown, John McDermott, and everybody at Games 13. This is Richard Dutch. We'll see you again on the Sports Media Podcast.
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.